I'm, I'm panic searching for the link to the notes as we speak, so that works. Okay, out. cool. Because you know the link bouncing around in a tuxedo. <laughs> it is Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. Welcome to DeFi Download. We're back again, tackling the toughest decentralized finance questions crypto Twitter has to offer. Follow us at DeFi underscore download. Tweet, comment, tag us with your questions, and every week we'll give you some answers. It's been another moderately wild week in the DeFi space. I'm John T. With me every week is the Kerp. How's it going, Kerp? Good. How you doing? Good, good, good. It seems like we're approaching the the long tail of the the wild yield farming DeFi craziness where I think there's still dozens of projects created today, but they don't they haven't they haven't breached my consciousness at this point where it seems right. like it's stopped and it's just the the long tail of degenerates and Ponzi schemes petering out towards the end. Right. Well, and then you start to see the wave of, you know, I mean, like, uh, I think Boardroom just announced that they've got a, a round of funding, 2.2 million, I think, right? So you start to see, you know, like any of these cycles, um, at some point, the gov- government pops up and reminds you that they have the power to do things and that they're watching you. Uh, and then that, that call, you know, that causes a subset of actors to to, to cool their heels a little <laughs> on the things they were maybe going to try to do or thinking about doing, you know, et cetera. Uh, at the same time, like DeFi is a legit force, you know, there's a thing happening here and it's, and it's not really, it's, it's only driven to some extent by the things you hear about in the headlines. Uh, you know, the, the people who get slapped down by the government, like, yeah, that's a bunch of headlines, but that's a tiny percentage. And, and over to the side, you have all the things that didn't get in trouble because they're not hurting people and they are legitimate tools and they're still doing yeah. their thing. So, yeah, the, I've actually been pretty shocked since 2017 at the how few people actually got in trouble <laughs> for the for the ICO craze. Um, and you know, I think that speaks well to if the people that actually got taken down or had real action taken against them were pretty legitimate scammers. Either you're, you're a fully legitimate scammer uh, or you raised like billions of dollars. Right. Um, or you broke, or you broke pretty clear laws like the KYC AML stuff. Like those are laws that the banks have to follow. Right. And so, I mean, I think the biggest thing about that, and we talked about it a little last week, like the BitMEX thing, the biggest thing there is I think everybody was sitting around waiting for some of the sort of regulatory bodies, you know, I don't know, FinCEN or CFTC or something to come out and say, you're selling unlicensed derivatives. Uh, when the DOJ shows up with handcuffs and instead says, no, you broke this law and this is criminal. Yeah. Like that's a stunning thing. I think that causes everybody to go, oh yeah, that's a thing that can happen. Ugh. You know, and that's going to slow stuff down. At the same time, the question, I know, I know in our space, it's popular to look at governments and just say, oh, you're all just oppressive regimes against the cool thing that I want to do. But like they're there for a reason to keep people from hurting people. And they're not trying to like harsh your buzz on an ongoing basis. But if you hurt people and, and you know, and so like that's what they're watching for. And so it's pretty easy to figure out which projects are you going to get in trouble because it's sort of like which are the ones pushing the envelope in directions where people might get hurt and the government's going to respond to that. Like the government's job isn't to bum you out. They're just there going like, Hey, remember there are rules and we're going to point that out to you if you push it too far. But 
Yeah, if you look at, I guess, the last giant wave with 2017, it was, you know, unregistered token sales. So basically selling securities without registering a security and then um, unregulated exchanges. So there are a number of enforcement actions, uh, mostly against large ICOs uh, and then ones that were legitimate scams. Uh, Now, with any of that, there's going to be some collateral damage where maybe some that, that weren't really scams and weren't fully in the securities realm or maybe they did did the best with everyone else like everyone else and they didn't raise that much but um you know still got slapped so i think uh, the only one that I, sticks out to me is uh sia sia coin the company that launched that like i think they got hit with a bigger bill than eos eos which raised like four billion dollars so i think they raised a couple million bucks and they got hit with a bigger bill and i, I thought that was kind of crap but they've got venture money now, so I think they're doing okay. What I, what I think will be interesting coming out of, you know, I guess to roll it back into BitMEX, like, okay, maybe they're really going after uh, unregulated foreign exchanges. Now, what I think will coming in this next wave, what we'll have to keep an eye out for is all these governance tokens. So like Comp, Uni, uh, you know, all the other ones that have been dropped to this point. Those are the, the largest ones, I guess that had the largest market cap that people seem pretty confident that I guess you can just drop governance tokens now and not really do a full sale, but you can kind of just get them out in the wild and that's okay. Um, and then also regulated US exchanges just listing altcoins uh, willy-nilly. So Coinbase, Gemini, uh, really cracking to a lesser extent, I guess, getting in the mix, just listing all these DeFi assets. Um, are those going to be those two are kind of related and then they're like, okay, I guess we're saying these aren't really fully securities uh, and we're comfortable listing them, but it'll be interesting to see once we come back around and, you know, the regulars have had a chance to look at all this stuff. If, if it all holds or if, do we have, do we have some guidance now? Like, okay, we, you can do this. This is something you can do and that's okay. Right. And it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny cycle because the government moves at the pace of government. And so, these things pop up like uh, the current wave of regulation or, or sort of regulatory response or whatever you want to call it uh, has nothing to do with the stuff that we have talked about for the last five episodes of this. Like that will come in three or four years after they've had the time to process what the hell just happened. And here's our like judicial sort of, you know, here's our, here's our like take on, how it aligns with the laws and the regulations, et cetera. Um, you know, BitMEX has been at it since back, like before what we're talking about when we say way back in the, with the ICO boom, like, so, you know, it's interesting. It turns into a slow week in DeFi because everybody goes, whoa, 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 let's, let's, let's look at what we're doing. But like, it's not like the government responded to yams, you know, <laughs> like, so, so it's yeah. just always a sort of cat and mouse game of, you know, well, they got to see what the SEC and anyone who, I guess, really follows this stuff closely would tell you is that they they have a high win rate, and it's because they only go after stuff that they're going to win. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of interesting regulation. <laughs> uh, overall, I think things still remain positive. Where if you're just trying to do tr- doing things uh, in a way that you uh, can be defensible as. Um, not running afoul of regulations and laws in your current jurisdiction 
should be okay. Uh, but anyways, you know, always try to get at least a rough opinion if you can from uh, from someone who knows a lot more than us. So this week, uh, no no questions on Twitter this week. We thought we might have to get delayed due to uh, dad duties, but we're we made it. So I think we're just going to introduce a couple a couple bits. Try to take this time's lull in the DeFi shenanigans to kind of go back to basics basics a little bit, cover a few things that I think we both even have a little question a few questions about. But assuming other people would like some clarity as well, and see if we can. Uh, shake some things out so uh first off we'll, we'll do uh is it DeFi governance edition so a lot of new governance mechanisms um new and old uh have popped up recently um all these DeFi projects part of it is okay you launch this product but you know it needs to be managed in some capacity okay which staking pools are we going to add oh are we going to deploy new versions of these contracts or like what which ones are we going to show on the website yada 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 so who decides that who says yay nay etc so from what i've seen and let me know if you see have seen other stuff out there there's kind of like a there's kind of a stack there's that are either on top of each other in a in order or it's two totally separate things. So you have just a, a multi-sig. Well, A, you can start with just uh, an, an admin. So when you hear the term admin uh, address, it's just basically one person or person's control and address. So you just create, you go to your MetaMask or whatever, you hit new new account, creates on Ethereum an account that you have control over that can perform transactions, sign transactions, etc. cetera. Uh, that can have ownership of a smart contract. And can make uh, not necessarily changes to it, but can perform the actions that are approved on that contract, like minting tokens and things like that, or uh, deploying, um, distributing tokens to another contract. You know that that's like how these you know farming things work. You deploy a staking contract, and then you use the mint function on the token that you're you're that's for farming to uh, send over there. So okay, you mint this much, you send it over there. Um, so you have a an admin address and you have a multi-sig which can be just n of m uh, accounts it can be a two of two it can be a two of three it can be a you know nine of 13 um and that's where a lot of these projects where they start off with just an admin account and they say okay well to let everyone feel a little more safe we're gonna flip the control of these contracts to be a multi-sig and those that's some group of known uh, people, whether they're anonymous or not anonymous, but you know that's where you see things pop up on Twitter where people are saying, "Okay, I'm approving that I, I am uh, stating that I'm going to be a multi-sig owner on this contract," and you can see the transaction here or, or what have you. So, a little extra level of security, but still, they could all collude to you know print as much of uh, some token as they want, and obviously that would be bad for token holders. Then you have kind of two, which if you should hear, see if you think of these as mutually exclusive or just two different ways of doing the same thing uh, or just a classification is either like a DAO or a token vote. So most of these new DeFi protocols, they have token votes where it starts out, you distribute a bunch of tokens, uh, everyone has them and they're, they're quote unquote governor, governance tokens. Those tokens eventually are used to vote on changes. So you put, uh, you can use, um, you can put forward a proposal 
to make some change to the to a smart contract or to perform some action uh then everyone who has a token votes um some rules apply and then if you pass that set of rules um if the vote passes that set of rules then that change gets implemented and that can get you can phase your way in having it used for just signaling and then for actual on-chain actions um but it's you know it's all just based on who has the token um and then there's some logic for how that applies for when you when you vote um and where a, a DAO can be more everyone commits funds or just joins a DAO and then there's rules for voting in that DAO I may not you know there's no holding requirement there may or may not be a token involved um but you can an action there's an action to join the DAO and then you have actions to vote that using whatever logic is set in that smart contract. So for like Moloch DAOs, it's like, you know, one, one person, one vote. Uh, and it's not necessarily split up by funds. You're just managing a, a pool and it's more about the people than, than the token. So interested to hear your, your take. Do you think there's like two questions, I guess. Do you think there's a cutoff where one thing either precludes you, your project from DeFi like is there a hurdle you have to get over to really call yourself DeFi, and then between like DAO and and token vote, do you think those are like mutually exclusive? Like I think most of the time people use those terms kind of mutually exclusive, or do you think it's more DAO encapsulates and we need some other term for like non-token voting? Yeah, I think it's it's the same problem you have when when the technical technical jargon or whatever you want to call it, you know, like the people that that you have your defined terms, right? Like. Uh, the community understands what DAO means or multi-sig means versus how the technology actually works. And then what that, you know, what that means for the whole thing. Like, but to the question of, you know, is it DeFi? For me, that gets to that open finance versus DeFi question, which I think they're both the same thing for our purposes here, because, you know, the existence of a financial the existence of infrastructure to do things that you usually would have to use banks or whatever to do, uh, like to me is the revolutionary part of this whole thing. And the fight of like, well, what's open finance, what's decentralized finance seems like, uh, it doesn't serve the broader goal of unshackling ourselves from the existing financial infrastructure. Um, that's so you think as like, long as it's clear, as long as it's open, auditable, and you can see which which situation you're in, you can still classify it as DeFi. Uh, yeah, to the extent of which the to the extent that the DeFi movement is is you know um, powerful and aligns with like sort of my favorite idea, which is just the idea of, of like uh, progressive decentralization, right? Like past that, as soon as you've introduced decentralization it exists on a spectrum, right? And so the stuff that you just ran through is all these, a bunch of different ways of looking at and thinking of the thing. And then past that, it's just breaking down, well, which one is for which use case, right? Um, And so there's a question of like, well, does it have to be, is it DeFi if there's an admin address and, you know, the top level thing, right? And that's controlled by the, the, you know, a single uh, wallet and ultimately they control where these, you know, funds end up. Um, it's not very decentralized. It's still DeFi to the extent that that scenario would only even exist, only even exists because 
we have we're using DeFi uh, infrastructure. So you know, to that extent, you're still on the same infrastructure, but it's not very decentralized if there's a single point of control, right? And so you have that thing where, like, yeah, I guess it's DeFi, but it's not particularly decentralized governance. And so then the question is like, well, what, you know, essentially like what metric are you tracking for what is a decentralized enough thing for us to feel like, okay, we're still chasing the goals of the broader thing, which is access to financial instruments or, you know, et cetera. Right. Um, yeah. I think the, the DeFi is a substrate it's built on. And this is where the context matters where, you know, you can think of DeFi as ultimate choice for the participant, which it might be, I want to give this one person control and I'm, I am personally taking that risk. I know that they can do X, Y, Z with the thing and it's open and clear. And the, the person that has that control has made it, um, clear what the situation is and nothing is being, um, you know, you are not being misled in any way. So that's where, you know, with regular securities laws, it's, you know, disclosures, right? That's a big thing with right. like a registered security is you, you, there's requirements for disclosures. And you know, maybe that's something that we have to get towards is how to properly disclose a project where this project is, I think I'm awesome at doing one thing, but I can only do it if I have 100% control of this token in this project. You're either in or you're out. I'm not misleading you, but like it is DeFi and that you have free entry and exit and the ability to to get into the thing. Right. Well, and so then I would say the multi-sig question puts control of that into a different frame because now you need, well, just baseline to explain what a multi-sig is. Uh, it's a wallet where you can't move the funds somewhere without, like you said, two of five addresses saying yes yeah yeah just it's not even moving it, funds it's calling any arbitrary action yeah, that, you know available any transaction contract. yeah exactly um and but like that's it right so all the human coordination i've written about this some so i'll give you the post to put in the show notes uh uh all the coordination around how that decision gets made amongst those people is entirely laid off on other places. So you got to assume that the people that are getting their stuff together to be the three votes out of five that are required are, I don't know, talking on telegram. Uh, and so, so it just, it's an interesting thing because, you know, it, it, it gets me to that place of like, when we talk about trustless systems, that's not a thing. Those don't exist, right? Like we're just shifting the trust to other places. And if you have that single admin, you're taking that, you know, you're, you're opening up the ability to audit stuff, but you're trusting that that admin isn't going to pull the rug out and take all the money and run. Um, within a multi-sig, you're now trusting that those, that the numbers are now more in favor of fairness, but ultimately, yeah, those three out of five could still collude in a telegram chat. And take off with the funds <laughs> or yeah. whatever, well, if, right? If the only um, reason to not run away with funds is uh, reputational risk. And then also, even if, let's say you're, if you're known, there's obviously legal risk where people could come after you, right. um, especially if you're, you're well known. Um, so by adding a 
multi-sig with people that are are known and either have just reputational risk or reputational and um, legal risk, you're just you're amplifying the risk of that poll. And you should feel, I guess you could feel more comfortable if it, you know, meets some criteria that there's either more throats to choke or right. more potential risk. Um, and you got to weigh that because some of these will be like, oh, okay, there's $50 million in this contract or $50 million in this liquidity pool that if these people that can mint this token do so, they could just drain. Okay. Are they going to, are they going to burn their whole reputation and their life and run away with your $50 million? You know, you got to, to weigh that if they're well-known DeFi builders, probably not. If they're just randos that popped up in discord, maybe probably. <laughs> right. Which comes, you know, our previous conversations about sushi chef and non uh, devs and stuff like that. Uh, and then, yeah. So the Dow piece, and this, again, I cover in my uh, post, but like the Dow is kind of like the other side, you know, you could you could say is a multi-sig a DAO? Well, it, I mean, it is decentralized, but is it really autonomous? You know, is it autonomous? And so the DAO thing really uh, introduces the idea that you know at the center you have your bank of funds, but programmatically those can't go anywhere without a vote, and that vote goes through a proposal system, ideally, and then that propo- so like really like. The DAO is more like, let's try to use code to memorialize the logic that got us to these funds moving as well. Whereas a multi-sig is just a yes, no. You just need a yes from three out of five addresses and everything goes. Uh, the DAO process through code forces you, you know, if if you're in a, multi, you know, it's different from, you know, DAO software, DAO software, but they all sort of have this core concept of submit a proposal and then the DAO is going to vote on the proposal. And and ideally the DAO gets safer the more people that are in it. And the proposal process allows you to say, here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to do it. Here's where the funds are going to go. Here's a link to a more expansive proposal. And then the community votes, right? So yeah, that it, it, starts to feel way more decentralized because you can even say community instead of just these three of five people. Um, I mean, a, it's a multi-sig move way is slower, so you know. A multi-sig is, you know, definitely a DAO in that it's and a DAO is just like a fancy multi-sig in, in most in what people mostly refer to as DAOs because in a multi-sig there is a proposal system. It's just someone creates a transaction and then everyone has to come and sign it. A, a DAO has rules around you know who can do it, what types of things can be done yada, yada, yada. And, you know, right now there's basically Moloch DAO. I think people are fairly comfortable with as far as like, there's a, it's like a, like a generic DAO, you know, it's like Kleenex of DAOs where it's people kind of know what it is. Um, it's a brand. You kind of know what rules come with it. And we say, okay, this seems to be one that, that seems to be working. And, you know, there's new, there's V one, two, three. Um, so it'd be interesting if we can get more out of the box DAOs and hopefully that would be more, the talking point is it's this organization is this DAO, this organization is this kind of DAO versus like, oh, is it a DAO? It's like, well, okay, that's more of a general term. Um, but if you memorialize rules around it, maybe we can get some other other flavors that kind of catch on and people are familiar with. I mean, it makes it a little less confusing. Yeah, and so I mean, that's basically what I cover in the post, right? Like a DAO is potentially going to be slower because there's process and a multi-sig could be faster. Same time, if you just fight in the Telegram channel and people won't approve the transaction, then you're jammed up also. Um, the extent of like 
is it DeFi or not? I think we established that it's all DeFi. The question is just how, how, you know, how is it decentralized? And then that question is, well, what's the point of the instrument? Um, You know, if the point is to be able to use the DeFi instrument as cash, then like having a community of a hundred people that vote on every transaction is not helpful. Like I can't wait for a hundred people to get their shit together so I can pay for my groceries. Um, but if you're talking about governance and ultimately the value, like, you know, a thing that will materially affect the value of that instrument and thus my power to pay for groceries, like I want that to move slower so that it doesn't change on the fly while I'm busy trying to pay for my groceries. And they go, I'm sorry, you don't have enough money anymore. And I have to go, why? And it's like, oh, cause this group of people just voted to cut the value in half real quick without telling you. Um, and I mean, all of this, I think, you know, and the token vote is, I would say kind of like somewhere in between, right? The idea of we rolled out all these tokens, we have a voting mechanism. There's, there's like a popular, popular platform right now, a snapshot where you can only let people vote if they have the token so they can weigh in. But snapshot is not as of yet, like programmatically tied to whether or not transactions go through. Um, and yeah, so well, snapshot was a response to high gas prices because yeah, for if, sure. you know, if apart from whales accumulating tokens, the other issue with high gas fees when you're trying to do on-chain governance is if you hold $100 of this token, but maybe you've been very you know, passionate about the project, if it's going to cost you $100 to vote, you know, you're not going to vote very often. So yeah, Snapshot is a nice feature. It's a signal. It's That's all it is. It's a signaling mechanism where you can, uh, if you hold a certain token, you can go uh, vote on proposals that are uh, weighted by how much of the token that you have. And those that's just recorded and shows, okay, you can set general voting parameters for over this period of time, yada, yada, yada. And if the project itself then sets, this is just off chain rules around, okay, you meet this quorum with this amount of positive vote, then we will implement the change. Usually that's paired with a multi-sig so that it's, you get the snapshot signal, the multi-sig, uh, participants are just saying that okay we will do whatever snapshot says we should do but there's still control there and i think the thing to track for me ultimately when i should say like you know anyone who follows me on twitter will know where my bias is on this like i'm all in on DAOs and what it means for a community control of important things um i think one of the reasons i'm excited is very materially like back to the fight over is a security like is 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 a regulatory body going to show up and be mad at me the best way to avoid that is uh be fair and don't hurt people right have processes so that people and and the way that people get hurt is not like it's it's it usually has to do with an information asymmetry they didn't know that you could do x they didn't know that x might happen they didn't know you know this that or another thing right and so slow process, involved process, things like that are the things that will keep you from getting in trouble ultimately. Um, And there's sort of this question of, you know, I think all of these things introduce different ways of, of having a a interaction regarding these instruments that feel, feels more fair. And then there's just questions of where does the enforcement, like 
a multi-sig, the process you just described feels more fair because I, as a user, can telegraph my interest, and then the team has promised that they'll use that signal vote to behave with the multi-sig, and then we know because it's all DeFi that it's all auditable. So worst case, if I really get screwed, we can audit all that, figure out who was responsible for, and I can get my civil right that I am made whole on the back of how I was wronged, like enforced, right? It's just going to be a well, post hoc clusterfuck compared to putting the process up front so that so that people don't feel wronged once the thing happens, right? And so I, I'm more on the like labor unions, you know, side of like let's let's put all that process there so the communities are all happy and fun, and and then an offshoot of that though is. If we have a token and that token controls a thing and whatever, like it's way less likely that that's a security if people are very materially involved in how everything moves around. Uh, but like that process is going to move slower, you know, so so it's not going to be as exciting to the FOMO crowd. Uh, but like I'm good with that for where I am. Like I say constantly, I'm too tired for the FOMO anyway. Like I'd rather build things slowly that last for the rest of my life. Um. Yeah, and it feels like we are approaching more of a uh, a playbook, perhaps, where you can start, you know, have your kind of stages of decentralization, where you're maybe it's just like an admin key, then a multi-sig, then snapshot and a multi-sig. And you know, I think we're getting to the point where maybe you can even have snapshot and multi-sig uh, just out of the gate. And dispute resolution, right? I mean, I didn't even call out, like, one of the things Aragon's working on with snapshot is how do you build in the after-the-fact resolution to make that quick and you say oh you can move fast up front you can feel safe because you're backed up by aragon court right that's different from saying or you can feel safe because you see the process up front and you know it, nothing unfair is going to happen and those are two different ways of handling it right i mean the judicial system works after the fact don't hurt people but if you do the citizenry can feel safe because we have a system to make you whole on the back of you know you getting yeah, hurt well, uh, that's why moloch v1 worked is so as much of the complexity and uh you know intricacies were ripped out as possible and it made things slower and i think that's the expectation that if you want security if you want consistency it's going to be slower um now you can start introducing more risk if you have that dispute resolution layer in place but you know the one thing that you always got to be aware of is you know this stuff's immutable, right? Like if something happens, if there's a hack, if there's a, if one of the, somehow the multi-sig conspires to steal all the funds or they, they feel it's, you know, they just, you know, someone is able to get access to the, to the funds or the initial admin gets access to the funds and, and just, you know, rips it and they get it and they, they sell off the assets. Like that's it. It's done. Like you can't, you can't roll it back. Um, you'd have to go through meat space to try to bring any action against them, but maybe they're in, some jurisdiction that you are very far away from, uh, or maybe that doesn't enforce these types of things. So there's always some risk there. And if you want to move fast, there's probably going to be more risk, but um, it feels like we're through this series of kind of experimentation. Hopefully it seems like we're getting at least a couple. And we talked about this, I guess, in the other previous episode is like, what are we getting out of this last DeFi wave? Like what's going to be left? And it seems like some of these nice governments, governance mechanisms, you know, the, the comp uh, governance tools, the Uniswap distribution um, contract, and then like snapshot. Like if we come out with those 
those things and we can layer those on top of some of the existing DAO infrastructure and some of the learning that we had before. Hopefully we can, you know, have a nice uh, room for experimentation in this dropping yield farming, but let's experiment, do some more experimentation with like human coordination stuff um, and see if we can see what, see what cool stuff comes out of that. And I think that's the cool thing because the stuff like boardroom where now it's like, people have a bunch of governance tokens because we're trying these experiments out and they're going, okay, but now I have 10 things I'm supposed to watch and weigh in on if I want to take part in the thing and boardrooms going, that's cool. We put them all in a dashboard. It's like, okay, let's, that's the obvious next step. Um, yeah. And then delegation and, uh, professional DeFi politicians. Uh, yeah, no, hopefully these, these tools, uh, make some, make a real impact and we can figure what works. And exciting and the same as it ever was, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, there, there's slower weeks in DeFi, but you know, if you're, you, you dig deep, there's, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you felt. We've both been here for a while, but even in 2018, 2019, never really felt like, you know, things never really stopped. It's just, where's the focus? Where's the energy? Right. And, you know, when it slows down, I, I, I'm a builder, so I get happy when it slows down. Um, but, you know, the reason I'm here is because the stuff is still happening and there are questions. So, you know, if you want to track DeFi closer than me and explain things to me, this is great. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners feel the same. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our best to keep up. Uh, always down to hop into new uh, new waters and, and try some things out. But uh, yeah, this is, this is what's on our radar right now. So anyways, keep following. Uh, we'll be doing more promotions to hopefully inspire a little more activity. But uh, questions or not, we'll be here dropping DeFi knowledge every week. You got it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Follow and comment on Twitter, DeFi underscore download. Keep an eye out for some giveaways we got coming up. Then uh, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Talk to you next week. Bye.